0: isn't just a building. That's not it at all. The church is you. The church is people um, that make up the body of Christ as a whole. So when we're talking about the church, we're talking about people. We're not talking about an organization or a denomination or this, that, or the other. We're talking about God's people, the people that come together to worship his name and confess him as their savior. So it's really fun to think about um, the privilege that it is to be able to call ourselves the church is essentially saying, I am Christ's body. It's amazing. Um, And I think when I was little, I remember telling my mom, I was like, what if I'm a, I heard that, you know, when you're little and you're like, I'm the body of Christ, what does that even mean? I remember talking with her and being like, mom, does that, what if I'm like the stinky toe though? Like, what if I'm the toe? And she was like, well, you can't walk without a toe. She's like, also wash your feet. But like, also you can't walk without your toes. So it's quite funny how every, you know, within our bodies, every cell, every bit of it is so integral. And if something goes out of whack, a lot of times it infects the entire system. So thinking about whatever the Lord has made you in his body, you are vital to the overall operation of what church looks like, of what the body of Christ looks like. Um. And Jesus has empowered you to do that. He has given us the grace to do that. So really, simply put, the church is the body of Christ, a.k.a. people, God's people. And that's all of us, which is very fun. Um, Another thing, you know, what is the church? It's essentially, um, I mean, goodness, it encompasses the great commission of God, which was go to all nations and bring people into the church. Spread the gospel tell the world, and bring them in and disciple them. That was another huge charge that the Lord gave us. And it talks about that in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So good news, guys, we don't have to, we don't have to bring believers into the church without Jesus. <laughs> That's great news. He's been given all power and authority And we have access to that. As the church, as the body of Christ, we have access to what Jesus paid for, which is himself, which is connection with God, which is just communing with him in general is a massive thing. Can you imagine if we were still in the time where we'd have to go through a, I think it was what, six inch veil, just talk to a priest, tell them everything, and they talk to God for you. But he's made a way where we can actually do that in intimate relationship on our own. And that's such a privilege and that's such a gift. He's made us the church. So guess what? We're not orphans anymore, friends. We're not out there on our own. We're not walking this journey on our own. We're not. And if you think you are, you are not. Trust me. If you think you have a struggle that is unique to you, you probably don't. Sorry. But you probably don't. Um, And he's put us together on purpose. He's put us together on purpose. Now, that can create conflict sometimes. Sure. Sure. But how many know that conflict is one of the most growing things that you can experience? The most growing things that you can um, learn from, really. It's very, very important. He has called us our fam- his family, so we're pretty much, I mean, family. The idea of family, the model of family is that, the idea is that you'd be able to experience tough times with each other, go through tough times with each other, and walk deeply in connection and deeply in unity and continue to go through life. And I remember there was a point where, um, this is from the church that I grew up in in North Carolina, but there was one family and they were in our leadership. And within the span, I want to say it was maybe five years, um, it was a parents and three children. and One of the children's sons drowned in a pool, one of the, you know, parents passed away very suddenly of a heart attack. And like so many things happened to this one family, but they stood firm with the Lord, and they continued to walk closely with each other and with the Lord, and they pretty much modeled what it was like to the church to walk through grief while holding on to the Lord and knowing that He is good. And it was one of the most powerful and marking experiences to watch this family Go through this process while staying closely to the lord it was so impactful it was one of the things that really just it's one of those things that humbles you so deeply where you're like i don't think i could do it and they did and they stayed true and of course they had awful emotions to process and they did that but they always kept their eye on the prize which was jesus and they made him a part of their process instead of distancing themselves They were angry, they were frustrated, they were sad, they were devastated, but they did it with God, and they modeled that to the church, and it was one of the most moving things I've ever seen. And so, thinking of that, thinking of what that family went through, and thinking of how they went forward, God has designed the church to be like a family on purpose. Why? Because we can hold each other up. We can bring wisdom to each other. We can bring experience and love and care to each other. And he did that on purpose. He did it on purpose that we weren't to be alone. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, "'You are not foreigners or guests. "'Rather, you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones, "'with all the rights as family members of the household of God. "'You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple.'" And your lives have been built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. You're a perfectly fitted stone. I think that's great. I don't feel like a perfectly fitted stone. Sometimes I feel like a rocky, gross one. But God has called us together, and he has organized this and orchestrated this that we would all fit together perfectly in our place and in our time and in our season. That is incredible. That the Lord would be so detailed and so meticulous and so intentional with our lives that he would call us perfectly fitting stones along with his cornerstone, and together we would create this structure that brings the kingdom. It's incredible. And his spirit is living in us. It's living in us, it's active in us. So what does that mean? We can see miracles today, people. We can see healing today. We can see incredible breakthrough that can't be explained today. And I wanna see it here. I wanna see it here. That is a deep desire of my heart to see it here. God is transforming each one of you to the holy of holies. He is continually, continually, continually pruning us and molding us and making us stronger and bringing us through different you know, situations and type of things. And it builds our faith. It builds our ability to bear more weight. Why? Because we're walking through life with him. He's building us up and he's, consi- he's making us holier and holier and holier, which isn't always nice, but is excellent in the sense that The more that you grow with the Lord, the deeper that you go with the Lord, the more you have to share with brothers and sisters who haven't walked through that. So that family in my church, can you imagine how many people they could help disciple through moments like that because they've walked through it before? And you can't do that unless you have people around you who have experienced the same things. He's very good to us. And he's given us his Holy Spirit. I think, you know how you hear those kind of topics? I grew up in the church. So I'm like, he's given us his Holy Spirit. I'm like, wow, what does that even mean? Tell me again, Jesus. Like, reveal it to me again. But I think it's just fascinating to think that the Lord sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin, to give us access to himself. And the Bible says that we will not know the fullness of who he is until we're in heaven, which means we have a vast Vast, forever discovering amount of God that we have access to, and the truth is, is I don't think we'll ever see it until we get to heaven. But oh, my word, is it fun to try? Oh, my word, is it fun to seek out the Lord and see what He will reveal within our time? And it could be anything, and it makes me really, really excited, I'm very excited. So, moving on to why is the church important? Why, why is it important? C.S. Lewis says this. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself, are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. The church isn't supposed to be a part of your weekly routine, just a part of your weekly routine. It's not supposed to be a place just to go to make friends. It's not supposed to be a place where you experience the Lord's presence just there. It's not supposed to be a place where you hear you know, a nice sermon and feel fabulous about yourself and then go home and eat lunch, which is great, by the way. But there's so much, there's such a bigger picture here. Now, the Lord can move and work in all of those things, but the church is designed to go out and bring people in and disciple them. And there's a difference. I heard John talking about this once where he said that a lot of times if we have a new believer, um, someone who doesn't really have an idea, you can't just give them a Bible and tell them to pray and expect them to understand what the heck is going on. Um, and he said Anytime that you know, anyone leads them to Jesus, he's like, you have them for two years, easily. That's a discipleship process. So Jesus didn't, and Jesus models this so well where he had 12 disciples and what did he do? He walked with them, he ate with them, he took them everywhere, he taught them, he modeled what it is, to be the son of God. He modeled what it is to be a child of God for them, taught them, called them out brutally at times, lifted them up, encouraged them, lived life with them for years. And through that, it's much different than being handed a Bible and prayed over. We're to make disciples, we're to take people through this process and teach them the ways and model it and bring them into our community. And that changes everything. And how many know that that's truly what changes people's lives? Because I think, as well, you can lead a person to Jesus, but they don't know what they're doing. And that discipleship, the church, that's what this is here for. That's what this is like. It's not just to, you know, share a sermon and leave. It's to build each other up and invest in each other and bring people out, bring them in, and equip them to do the same thing. It's a legacy. The last scripture that I read, I think it was Ephesians something, but ultimately it says that we're being built up together on the foundation that the apostles laid. So this is a legacy. The church is a legacy. The church is building upon itself. It's growing and it's expanding. And is it messy? Well, yeah, because it's all people. <laughs> it's all people, so it's going to be messy. It will have a you know questionable track record at times, but the Lord knew that, and he still chose us. The Lord knew that and he still gave us all of himself. The Lord knew that and he still asked us to make disciples for himself. And what an honor that that is. This is another quote that I really enjoy about this. It says, from Chris Valentin, it says, we're not to be the, we are to be the light of the world, not the light of the church. So if you're just being a light in your church, we're missing out on a huge opportunity. Because where God is calling us is outside of just ourselves. And that's something that I love about Journey is that, you know, even just yesterday, there was a huge event in a town that's not even Don Patrick. (laughs) But people were ministered to and people were loved so deeply and people came for it with no strings attached. No strings attached at all. And sometimes that can be so much more powerful than handing a person a Bible and praying for them. Sometimes serving a person is what says, oh yes, they're different. I see this. I see the service of Jesus in them. And sometimes that can be massively powerful for a person. And it's not even in your own town. Like how beautiful is that? How God-like is that? That we would reach not just our own little huddles, not just our own towns, but the world beyond because we can and because he's asked us to. And I love that so much. In fact, one of the things in pre-service prayer, Zoe was praying and she was like, God, thank you for the opportunity. And it just blessed my heart because I'm like, I know y'all are tired. (laughs) I know it's an exhausting thing to put on an event like that. But she thanked God for even the opportunity to do that. People, that's the church. That's the mission of the church. That's the outreach of the church. That's what it's all about. Matthew 5 14 through 16 says, Your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light, let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as a light upon them, and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Jesus, Jesus. I went to, um, this is really random, but I went to Edinburgh for the first time this past month, and I'm an American, so anything architectural makes me very excited. That is not, (laughs) that's older than like 100 years makes me really excited. But there was a point where we were in the tram, um, and we were with Ian and Jill Somerville, and we were going into the town, and she, she just looked at me, and she was like, look over there. And I looked outside, and we're look, like right beside the castle, and all you see is just this castle on a hill. I'm not sure if you've been there. If you haven't, please go. But there's just this massive castle on a hill, so much so that at certain points, like, you can pretty much see it all over the place. Um, You can't really miss it. If you're in the center of the city, you can't miss this. It's up in the middle, and it's beautiful, and I was really excited and nerdy about it. But it's the same idea. Like You can't be in the city without seeing this castle. That This city is built around this castle that's high up in the center, and it's just the same. If you have a light inside of you that is the light of the world, people will not be able to miss it. They just won't. So why would you ever just hide that. You know, you're not going to build a lighthouse and then cover it slide up. That doesn't make sense. So this scripture is so wonderful where it's like, hey, let your light shine. And if you don't think that you're good at it or you don't feel equipped for it or you're kind of nervous, keep going. Keep practicing. Keep doing it. Keep keep pursuing the Lord and what he's called you to do because I heard there's a quote, I don't remember who this is, but It's essentially saying God doesn't call the equipped all the time, but he does equip the called. So if you feel like you have a word on your heart and you have absolutely no idea what you're doing, just go for it because it will fall into place by itself. Why? Because the Lord has called you to it. So trust me, he'll equip you for it. But a lot of times that that starts with us stepping out and being bold and facing fears and going for it and saying yes before anything else comes through. But he does come through. And it might not be the way we think that it will, but he comes through every time because if he has called you, he will equip you. And he's said that to the church. He's asked us to go out and bring in nations. And I am I always, when I was in Bethel, we were learning about evangelism and I honestly struggled with it a lot because I, I'm like, I want to have a three-hour conversation over you like with coffee and then maybe lunch later. And like, let's just talk for hours and hours as opposed to like running down the street and be like, hey, you know Jesus? I'm like, I feel like so mortified. Let's talk for three hours. You know, I'm that person. But that's what's wonderful about the church is that God has put a fivefold in the church. He has brought all of these different giftings, all of these different things into the church, and that's partly why we all come together, and that's the beauty of all of us coming together is because I'm not good at evangelism. I'm not. I'm not. Asman Carradine, amazing. Oh, geez, sorry. He's incredible with evangelism. He'll just start a conversation with anybody, and they're friends the next day or they go on lunch or they're cousins somehow you never know but he is excellent at that I don't have that gifting (laughs) I do not and I'm very aware I get the like the most awkward thing in the world I'll try though but it's not my gifting but the beauty of it is is that we're all together under this one roof and he's good at that you're good at this there's good at that and we all come together as this team as this unified thing under the name of God and we go and we get nations We bring them in, and we equip them, and we share each other's strengths. We grow together. We make mistakes together. We're messy together. We clean up together. And we're the church. As clumsy as we may be, we have been chosen and called by God to expand this thing. And I think the first time you step out, it gets so much less scary as well. The first time you step out, the second time isn't as scary. The third time you call, it isn't as scary. And before long, it's quite normal. And then the Lord brings another challenge and you start all over again. But that's how you grow. That's how He works. And He does. He does equip you. And it's a beautiful thing to see His faithfulness. Ephesians 4.11 says, He has appointed some with the grace to be apostles, some with the grace to be prophets, some with the grace to be evangelists, and some with the grace to be pastors, some with the grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all of the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build upon the body of Christ. It's so good because we all know... We need apostles. I would consider John to be an apostle, the crazy chicken at the front of everything with the vision who just wants to go after everything. We need those people. We need the evangelists. We need the people to go out and bring people in. We need those people who are great at that, like Asman. (laughs) We need those people to come in. We need pastors. We need people to look after the flock and build them and live life with them and share with them. And continue to just look out for each other, make sure people are provided for, all the things. We need that. And we need people to be teachers. How many of you know a huge amount of whatever you know anything about, you were taught? You were taught. And sometimes in church, we're just badly taught. Sometimes that happens. I know that I was, there were certain areas of my life and my church where I was badly taught some things. Um. So there's an element where you're like, yes, we need teachers as well. We need teachers to really dig into things and educate themselves and educate the people. Every element of this is so important. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I love imagery as well. So have you ever seen like in a movie or something where a person has a sword and they put it against this wheel and they spin it and there's are sparks going everywhere in the whole thing? You cannot sharpen iron without something else. You can't just hold a sword and hope that it sharpens itself. You cannot do it. It just won't work. But if you put it against another piece of iron, it sharpens it. Iron sharpens iron, you sharpen each other. What does that mean? Well. When you're in relationship with people, when you're close with people, when you're accountable with people, they call you out a lot and it's incredibly healthy and you grow from that and you call each other out, you know, you invest in each other, you call out the gold, you help dig through the other things that aren't so pleasant and you work hard together and you go through, you cannot sharpen yourself, it doesn't work that way. And if you're right about most everything in your life, you probably need to get some better friends. <laughs> Joshua James is my iron most of the time. <laughs> or or John as well. There's lots of people that but the more people that you're held accountable to, I think the Bible says there is much wisdom in the counsel of many. It's so true. It's so true to have a solid group of people around you who each have their own giftings. You know, as men would see something in me that's different than what Joshua would most likely, and that's incredibly valuable because their giftings are different, their perspectives are different, their experiences are different, but they have what's best for me in mind. And so iron sharpening iron is a vital part of being the church because it helps us grow. Another thought I had with this, considering iron sharpening iron, it's not very pleasant half the time. You know the, the imagery of like the sparks flying everywhere? It doesn't look pleasant to be the sword in that scenario. It's like, this looks horrible, and there's sparks, and I'm scared. But I have a challenge for you. If there is something that is said in church, if there is something that someone has said that offends you, keep going to church. Don't isolate yourself and stay home. Don't isolate yourself, stay home, become really frustrated, and don't say a word to anyone. I challenge you, if you have a struggle or if you have something, go to church and talk to someone about it. Continue to put yourself into a scenario where you can grow. Continue to put yourself into a position where you're with people who can help grow you and help stretch you. If there is offense or if there's pain, and I understand that that's very, very difficult, don't let it isolate you from what Jesus is doing. Continue to invest and continue to call each other out and become accountable to people. And if you have a problem, please talk about it. That's something that I love about Journey is that Journey doesn't really shy away from conflict. (laughs) Not at all, actually. And that's something so valuable because we get to really live life with each other. We get to really wrestle with things together. And it's so important because I've been a part of a church where that's not a thing and you're walking on eggshells half the time because you're afraid to upset another person, where here it's like, just have a conversation. It'd be so much quicker. (laughs) So keep coming. Keep investing. If there's something that you're wrestling with, wrestle with it, but don't use it as a reason to to isolate yourself, if that makes sense. Keep coming and keep investing. And the odds are that considering that the church is people, we'll probably run into some of those things over our lifetimes. But we can come out of the other side so much stronger with so much more of a clearer vision of what the Lord is doing because we've sought it out. We've sought it out, and we've continued to run the race. Ephesians 2, 21, 22 says, The entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each of you into the Holy of Holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So in other words, the church was meant to be this way. We were meant to challenge each other. We were meant to keep each other accountable. It was designed in a way that you either grow or you don't. (laughs) And I would love to be one of the one that grows. You know, I would love to be one of the ones that keeps going even when it gets hard, that keeps asking questions when I just don't understand, that keeps having a conversation when resolution hasn't been reached yet. I want to be the one of the ones that keeps going and keeps going after God with all of my heart, as well as the people that I'm surrounded with. Because it's not just as easy as if you don't like the people here, you go somewhere else. I'm telling you, you'll find some more that you don't like. (laughs) That's just how it goes. But there's so much to say about having the strength and the endurance to keep going even when it gets tough and to keep yourself open and your heart open to what the Lord is doing because the truth is he's probably doing something in that moment for you. There have been many times where I have rebuked the devil himself only to realize, Oh, that was God. So sorry about that. I rebuked God. That's not a good thing. But he's so kind and he's gracious and he knows that. But there is an element where I think we have, you know, a tendency to if something bad happens, we're like, where is Satan and where can I cast him out to? When God's like, have you ever thought that maybe you'll come out of this side closer to me and stronger because you went through this and having more of a faith with me because we built it in this process? Have you thought about that? So now it's kind of interesting. Whenever I read this this scripture that says, count it all joy, When you go through trials, why? Because God's probably in it. He probably is. He said that He had every moment of our lives written in His book. So odds are, He probably knows what's going on and He might just make it better. (laughs) Another purpose for the church that I love is that, well, we've already kind of touched on this, but it's just, I mean, goodness, we can be Christians wherever we are. You know, you can be a Christian at home while you're. Drinking your tea? But there's something so powerful about coming together as, as a body. So one of the things that Ian Somerville said within the series that I loved is that he said the purpose of going to church is not to worship God. The purpose of going to church is to worship God with the body of Christ because you should be able to worship anywhere you are. You know, if God is continually in us and transforming us, we can access him wherever we are. Even the darkest of places, he is there. So with that being said, we don't come to church just to focus on God. We come to come together as a body of Christ and in unity pursue what he's doing and pursue his name. And it's an incredibly beautiful thing to do um, because he's designed us to do this together. So coming together is just a good thing. It's the right thing. It's the way that he set it up. And as we said... Iron sharpens iron, so metaphorically, you need other iron around you if you're going to become a sharper weapon. So thank you, irons, for being here with me. Hooray. Um, The last thing I want to talk about is serving the church, and this is something that's really, really dear to my heart. Um, Acts 2, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's really good. And it shows um, the way that the church was set up by the apostles and the things that they did and how the community thrived and was, were with each other. Um, essentially the model of what the church is um, and what we're going after these days. Um, but there's something so sweet about serving the church. Uh, when I was in Bethel, there is a place that we would meet in our first year and it was called the Civic Auditorium. And I remember hearing stories. Does anyone know who Kim Walker-Smith is? She's with Jesus Culture. There was a point where um, you will have heard her sing if you've heard worship. She's she's very, very well-known in the worship um, community. But she what used to work in that building, and she was the one that cleaned the toilets. And from that moment, she... She knew that she wanted to pursue school. She knew that she wanted to pursue ministry. She knew this is what she wanted. But the way to do that and the way to make money during that that worked for her was to clean toilets at this auditorium. And that's where she started. And now she's one of the most well-known worship artists in the world, pretty much. And it started with serving. It started with doing the lowest of the low thing cleaning the toilet, and there were moments where um, in sessions we would have, just as being in the school myself, there would be moments where you'd have about a 10 or 15 minute break and everyone rushes to the toilet, hoping they can go and get back in time. So by the time end of one of those breaks, everything's in disarray and it's just not nice. And there she was, you know, faithfully cleaning that. There was another um, girl who um, I have loved watching her life. her name is Callie she's with Bethel and she started um, she knew that the Lord had a calling on her life she knew she was supposed to do worship I think she was in her mid-20s at the time um, and she knew that what she was supposed to do she, she went to Bethel and she was pursuing school and whatnot. but the only job that she could get Reading is a really small town the only job that she could get was at a frozen yogurt place called Spoon Me so she was like welcome to Spoon Me how can I help you and hated it But every time she's like, I would mop the floors, and I would choose to worship in those moments. I would choose to say that you're building something in me, so I will do the lowest of the low job. I will do this thing that I really dislike. And now, again, the Lord has brought her, she became the worship leader of the second year of the school, and she started there. There's something so powerful about if you're willing (laughs) to clean the toilets, if you're willing to do the lowest of the low jobs, that's still the church. That is still the church. It's not just about being on a stage and doing the things in front of the people. It is about hoovering the floors after <laughs> a walk through Bethlehem and you will see hay for the rest of the year. It's about those moments. And the truth is, there are so many beautiful conversations that I have had while cleaning up a bathroom with people in the church. There are so many moments where, like, if you're willing to clean a floor and you're staying after to help clean up, you're a person I want to know, you're a person I want to invest in, because you're letting it cost you, because the event is fun, and that's great, but if you're there, and not all the time can we, you know, there's been moments where I haven't been able to help clean up after because of something else, but there is something so beautiful about a person that is willing to do anything, whether it's do worship, clean a toilet, be a greeter, work on kids, There's something so beautiful about a person that's like, hey, this is the overall functioning of the body of Christ. Put me where you need me to be. Put me where you need me to be. I'm going to read a little bit of Acts 2 just because it paints such a beautiful picture of what the church was like. But it says Acts 2, this is Acts 2, 42 through 47. And it says, all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe overcame all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. Some sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's the legacy that we stand upon. That's the foundation that the church was built upon. And that's the legacy that we get to invest in. And there's so much more to church than a Sunday service. There's so much more. There's so much more out of relationships that you can get when you invest in them outside of this building. And that's how it's supposed to be. They ate together, they helped each other. If there was a need here, someone else had more than enough, they'd come together. It's quite simple, really. It's quite simple. And there are times where sometimes, if you need a friend, maybe you should be the one to f- make the first move. Invest in someone, take a risk. If you know someone who needs discipling, ask the Lord very seriously if you're the one who's supposed to disciple them and take them in. Because there's something wrong if we're not being challenged under the, you know, and like obviously we shouldn't always have a struggle happening within our lives, but if there's not any amount of tension in our lives, We need to ask ourselves if we're growing. And if we're not, it's time to invest ourselves somewhere else. It's time to continue to deepen our relationship with the Lord and trust with the Lord and asking Him what He wants to do because He's always wanting to grow us and always wanting to take us to the next thing because there's more of Him. There's so much more of Him. There's more of Him. And in order to find that, sometimes we have to move ourselves. Sometimes we do. So I just challenge you today... Ask the Lord what He wants to do in your life right now. Ask the Lord if there's a new challenge that He wants to take you through. And He's very good at, he's very good at taking you through challenges, but He's very good at sustaining you while He's in them. That's how He designed all of this. He designed it that He would be our source in all things. And He designed the church to continually grow and to become bold and to go out and bring people in and equip them and love them and disciple them and live life with them. And that makes us different. That makes us look different. That brings people curiosity. Because after this reading in Acts, even the way that they set up their livelihood, it says that the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Thousands were saved in such a short amount of time. Thousands. Because they saw that they they were living in this model and no one else did in their time. And that's what the Lord is calling us to do today. So yes, I beseech you to ask the Lord what he wants to challenge you with today, what he wants you to do, what your place is in the church, because you are vital in this body. You are vital in the full operation. And God has called us to be the hands and feet and other body parts, of course, other than the head of what he's doing. And he's given you the full power of his Holy Spirit in order to carry out what he wants you to do. So don't be afraid, jump in. And if anything, jump in before you get afraid. <laughs> um, because there's so much more that he wants to do with you. So I'm just going to close out now with prayer. Um, but God, I ask you to shake us up, Jesus. God, I ask you to dig deep, Jesus. I ask that you would put a hunger in us, God, for your presence, for your ways, for the miraculous, for revival within your your spirit and within your church, God, that it would be our relentless pursuit, Jesus. I ask that you would continually Um, sharpen us as iron sharpens iron, that you would um, communicate with us, but also use the people around us to continue to grow us, and that we would be able to lean on each other. God, I thank you for how you set up the church. Thank you for giving us each other, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us into a family. Thank you for paying the price of what that looks like. We love you, we love you, we love you, and we're so thankful. Thank you for trusting us with your church, Jesus.